0: Welcome to the Magic Kingdom.
1: The Emperor has
0: been expecting you.
2: It's a whole new ballgame for Star Wars after Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm has now resulted in the mind boggling $2 billion success of Episode 7. What else could the future have in store for the hottest property in pop culture? You're listening to Star Wars, a new galaxy far, far away, part of a trilogy of one shot podcasts celebrating the release of Episode 7, The Force Awakens, right here on BDL Radio. Special thanks to our panel for this show Brent, Joe Beth, Brian, and of course, I am Scotty. Welcome, everyone. Hello.
0: Hey.
1: Hey. The
0: The cramps are in the house. (laughs) (laughs) We're uh, probably done uh, creating technical difficulties, so.
2: We sure hope. (laughs) Before we get started, a quick reminder, two companion podcasts are already online and available for your listening pleasure. If you're passionate about Star Wars, check those out. So when the Walt Disney Company acquired Lucasfilm in 2012, it was as difficult to assess what it meant for the future of Star Wars as it was to digest the $4 billion purchase price. So, to the panel, here's my opening question. What was your reaction to the announcement of Disney's purchase of Lucasfilm at the time?
0: Brent, you want to take that one? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I would... Initial
3: relief that... It was out of George Luke, George Lucas's hands, and then it was started to drift to well, maybe they could make it worse, and then it was just a big wait and see and see how they would what direction they would take it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I initially um, I initially groaned because uh, you know just, just the uh, the uncertainty surrounding it. I mean, of course, uh, you know, with the property being in the hands of of Lucas. You know, for so long and and most recently, you know, having gone through the prequel era, you know, I was still, I don't know, even though it was in new hands at the time or, or, you know, after the the transition, um, I thought, you know, Disney, I I don't know, you know, what are they going to, you know, start producing these uh, feature length animated films and try to carry on, you know, Star Wars. And I I was just very unsure uh, in, in the beginning.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of would echo what, what you guys are saying. Um, my first thought was, thank God. At least we're getting it away from George Lucas. I mean, we've talked about the prequels at length um, in, a, in a separate show. Um, I'm obviously not a fan of the prequels at all. Um, I I really think that George Lucas had um, two good movies in him, um, <clears throat> and uh, one of which was American Graffiti, the other which was Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, you know, he, he produced, but did not write or direct Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. And he had total control, too much control over the prequels, I would say. Um, and, and I think that getting the movies away from him, getting this, this entire franchise away from him had to be a good thing. But then you start to worry about, okay, um, Disney equals Mickey Mouse, um, (laughs) <laughs> and that's your, you know, your fear is, as a lover of the franchise, what might they do wrong? Um, but I think, you know, once you put some real um, uh, deep thought into it, you realize that Disney also owns the Marvel movies. And they've done a pretty good job with, with most of those. And so you start to get excited about what the possibilities might be. And, and um, so I was I was. Initially hopeful, then fearful, then hopeful again.
1: Disney owns the Marvel movies. <laughs> what they
0: do? They own the entire the entire Marvel franchise. Disney
2: owns everything now.
1: Yeah. See, the thing is, all of my news about Star Wars comes through Scotty, so I have to listen to whining around in the bedroom. <laughs> uh late at night now hold up going <laughs> what, are, what are they gonna this do this is
0: gone what are, what we're are all we're already off direction. the
1: rails <laughs> oh, my, oh my gosh Ahmed, what are they gonna do oh my goodness i mean this is big stuff this is really really big stuff i mean what do you think and then i just sort of sit there and stroke his head and say you know it'll be okay it'll be okay just like take a breath no i i honestly i was just like okay um Disney purchased Lucasfilm. Okay. Uh so
2: what Yeah, yeah I mean clearly, you know, <laughs> it, it was it, it was obvious at the time or I thought it was apparent anyway that we we were going to see a very sudden influx of Star Wars content in some form. I mean, you know, Disney any company, but certainly the Walt Disney Company is not going to spend uh you know, 4 billion dollars on any property and and not capitalize on it so I mean you knew right away that they had immediate plans for that brand and that franchise Um, I I was just really terrified even coming from the place that we that we most recently came from you know the prequel era I I was terrified of what they were going to do with it Um, that it was going to resemble you you know nothing of the past really other than homages and the like but um, what changed What changed my reaction, in my opinion, or or fear, I should say, um, right away was when they attached J.J. Abrams to the first film that they planned. Sure.
0: Yeah. 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 What surprised me, too, was that the purchase price for the franchise was so low. I mean, $4 billion, you're talking about a franchise that, up until the point that up until the point that Disney bought it away from Luke, George Lucas, it had already generated twenty-two billion dollars in merchandising and films and DVDs and everything else. I mean, when you total everything up, it's that's a lot of money. So they they paid four billion dollars for four point four or whatever it happened to be, and they've already made half of that investment back. I mean, they stand to profit very handsomely um, right. from this purchase.
2: Brent and Brent really may have a, a better perspective on on the Abrams, you know, uh, uh, affiliation there. You know, he, he's really I think the Trekkie of of the group in the BDL, um, and of course, you know, Abrams took and, and rehabilitated the the Star Trek, at least the, the cinematic brand, um, you know, recently with with the two films. I, you know, of course, the the first the first of the two had had the most, uh, you know, critical acclaim. So I mean Brent, what what was your opinion when, when Abrams was attached to, to Star Wars?
3: That initially it was worry because I did not care. The movies were, were decent, the Star Trek movies I'm referring to. But they didn't feel like a Star Trek movie. Especially whoa, the second whoa, one.
1: Whoa, whoa. You are didn't. just stupid. Like
3: Star Trek. <laughs> it was it was an action movie with a Star Trek rapper. That's what that, that's what those movies were.
1: Those movies also really brought in a whole new audience. You're talking about people who are not typical Trekkies suddenly really interested in that brand suddenly. People like me who are like, I don't give a crap about anything Star Trek, suddenly now interested in Star Trek.
2: But
3: those two movies don't feel like Star Trek to me. But that's that's another discussion. But that made me a little bit worried when I heard he was first attached to it. But then when the first trailer came out, it was like, okay, it's, it's in good hands now. That's because you're a permit, Brent,
1: and you don't like things to change. (laughs) You just, you just don't like change. (laughs) Like, oh no.
2: You you know, that's, it's, it it is a different discussion, but it's somewhat related because Abrams, you know, at the time, Abrams was a Star Wars fan making a Star Trek movie. Uh, You know, he, he has even admitted that. And, as much as much as I I did really enjoy the the two new modern Star Trek movies, um, to Brent's point, they they did sort of have a a more swashbuckling adventurous feel to them, a la Star Wars, a, a little more so than a traditional Star Trek movie. Now I I didn't have a problem with that because you know I've always liked Star Trek, but it's it's never been you know to the level of, of, you know, the Star Wars brand to me. You know, Star, Star Wars is what I've, you know, for me and my age, what I grew up on uh, and identified with the most. So I, I really enjoyed them, but I, I can see where a diehard Star Trek fan would might have been turned off. But um, I guess just, you know, from that perspective, what I had already seen with those two films, I was really excited when when Abrams was, was attached
0: to uh, to the new Star, War, uh, Star Wars
2: uh,
0: adventures. I can't really speak to the Star Trek movies as I haven't seen them. Um, I did read an interview with Abrams where he <clears throat> he said that he learned a lot from his mistakes that he made during those films. I mean, I don't, I I wouldn't think that he made a great many mistakes considering how popular they were, and and and. Um, you know, how well, generally well received they were. But I thought it was interesting that he would, you know, admit that and say, you know, there were things that that I did during the making of those movies that I didn't want to repeat um, in terms of the storyline and letting things get away from him and not having things all tied together in a nice, neat wrapper. And um, so I, I, I think that's, that was one of the things that to me was, was really interesting about, about him as a director and, and, and I was excited when he was named just by his reputation. I mean, they could have picked anybody to direct these.
1: Coming out and saying that you made mistakes after it's already out there is, (laughs) I mean, it's already out there. I mean, you look at, you look at the prequels, the star Wars, um, franchise and it's like, Oh, sorry, my bad. Well, yeah, they're already out there. (laughs) You've already left us with with what's his name the weird floppy eared
2: Jar Jar, yeah. Jar. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. You've you've left us with that mess. You've yeah. left your mark. <laughs> yeah yeah, keep saying you're sorry. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, and we won't well, you know we'll try not to make this a flogging podcast of, of of George Lucas as much as we can help it but or maybe we will that might be fun maybe we need a maybe we need a fourth podcast just for that Brian. But uh.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs>
3: um,
0: I think I think, though, that, um, you know, my recollection of what he was saying with with mistakes that he had made was, you know, perhaps he got t- too involved with the story and he forgot to make it fun in a way. Huh. Um, and he forgot to appeal to the, the Star Trek fans um, in, in, in a way that, you know, felt familiar to them. And I think he wanted to remedy that with uh, with this new Star Wars film.
2: Well, I think everyone on this panel would certainly agreed that he that he knocked it out of the park. Uh, wh- whatever lessons that he felt like he may have learned, you know, shooting the Star Trek movies, um, you know, he he knocked things out of the park with, with The Force Awakens, and it shows at the box office, so I want to ask you guys what your opinions are here of where we are with the totals. Uh, the box office grosses here are just, uh, they're almost unbelievable. Well, they're not unbelievable. We're talking about Star Wars in, in 2016, but still you know the numbers uh, i think we're at at or just over 900 million domestic gross at this point making it the highest grossing film in us history um and right at 2 billion dollars worldwide and and one of you all correct me if i'm mistaken that puts it second all time worldwide right behind avatar is that right well wow. i think it's 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 two or three but i believe it's second all time right behind avatar worldwide now and the reason uh it doesn't look like it's going to approach uh the the uh the total that avatar pulled which was 2.7 or 2.8 billion if if memory serves is the 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 china market was a little bit lower uh for the force awakens than than they anticipated so it didn't quite you know uh it didn't quite hit hit that avatar level and that, that's still an anomaly to me I I don't understand how how avatar ever made that much money ever but um, that's just me. <laughs> but I mean, as as far as those totals, you know, they are mind-numbing. Do, do you do you feel like that those, you know, the the box office uh, performance for The Force Awakens to this point has? Did it meet your expectations? Did it surpass them? I mean, what what is your take there?
0: I'm I'm blown away. I mean, honestly, and I think we're just looking at the tip of the iceberg because now you have to look at merchandising sales and you know every kid you see is wearing a Star Wars t-shirt um, and, and uh, obviously the action figures and, and all the different types of toys that are out there um, and honestly they'll probably re-release this movie again next year
2: I f- in theaters yeah, I feel like they will at some point I don't know how soon but yeah I mean, yeah. I mean all, all of the other ones got that treatment at, at one point or another Well, except maybe I guess the, the prequels were never re-released were they I don't think they were um, yeah, well, story. Uh, certainly, the the original trilogy was what three times I think, maybe four, um, including the special editions, of course. There in ninety seven, but uh, right.
1: Honestly, the totals to me just really made a lot of sense. Like I know a lot of people were really surprised by them, but I I wasn't really surprised because you're you're looking at people who were kids when this. First came out and begged their parents for just about every toy that they could get their hands on. And now they're all grown up. They uh, have jobs, hopefully you know, if they're not living in their parents' basement still. But um but they're they hopefully hey. have jobs. You would be there. Um and hopefully they have jobs and they're now taking their kids to Star Wars. So, you know, you're looking at it and thinking, Okay, whatever it did when these kids were young and what money their parents allowed them to blow on Star Wars movies and crap. Um you're gonna have to Double that for whatever it is today, because now it's not just them; it's also them wanting to inspire their kids to be interested in something that they loved growing up. So it's got to be much, much more now than it ever was before, because uh, otherwise it just doesn't make any sense. So to me, this made sense. Even more would make sense to me.
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, I I, I've seen the film six times now. Joe Beth has made it a couple times, and I think this was the first movie in the theaters anyway that that Katie, our daughter, has seen twice. Uh, we have taken her twice now, and you know that oh, wow. and that was you know be, because I you know I, I wanted her to uh, experience that as many times as you know we could work out you know in our schedules. You, you know, just you you never know when when the opportunity will arise again to to see you know, a movie like this in, in theaters, you know, certainly I I feel it will be re-released at some point, but, um, you know, you just kind of want to s- soak it up while it's here. And, you know, I wanted her to have, and really too, you know, there's such a strong, strong heroine in, in this, in this film, in the new film with Ray. Um, and I, she's such a great character and, you know, Katie already has, you know, a couple of the of the toys and, you know, she's really into things in a poster, you know, up in a room of Ray and, and BB-8. And um, it, it's really neat to see that next generation or, or this new generation um, have that to grasp onto now. And especially, you know, as a father, just to see that and watch that and sort of, you know, <laughs> float above your body a little bit and watch things happen uh, and, and live vicariously through. You know, your child now, you know, getting to experience it the way you got to experience it as a child. It's really neat. And I'm sure that that has added really to the to the appeal and those totals as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that the the fact that there's such a strong female lead and, you know, there are so many things that my daughter has commented on. And, and she said, you know, I think it was just so funny how Ray didn't want to want to hold Finn's hand when they were running, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. it's just, it is. It's hilarious. And it's it shows what a what a strong personality she is. And I think that's good for girls.
2: It is. You know?
1: Yeah. Katie picked up on um, that, it, too. That was one of the first things that she mentioned. And one of the first things that she really laughed out loud about when she was watching the movie <laughs> was the fact that she was jerking her hand away from him. Like, stop holding <laughs> right. my hand. You know, she right. thought that was just a riot. So, yeah. Definitely
0: cuts against the grain and what you expect in a movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the things that they did well, and and I really, I really think that this you know um, speaks to what you know what a great collaborative effort this movie was. Um, there's something there for everybody. Uh, my wife, she she told me that she walked out of Star Wars.
3: Out of which Star theaters, Wars?
0: The first one. She just didn't get it. She was there with some friends in 1977, and she just thought it was it was silly, and she <laughs> walked out of the theater. <laughs> we went to see The Force Awakens, and she loved it. And she said, as a "Matter of fact, we walked out of the theater." And she said, "I want that BB-8 robot." <laughs> she said, I, I do too.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I,
0: there's something there for everybody. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it, it appeals to people who, who are fans of the franchise. It appeals to people who are who are new to the franchise as well.
2: Yeah, and I and I think you you know you see that reflected in in those numbers as well. You know this this film, you know, is creating a, a whole new generation of Star Wars fans. You know, young and old, um, and it's 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 really cool to see. And, and you can you know you know couple that with this or that as well you know uh, i think you know of course disney has the the rebels show i've i've never actually taken time to to watch that but apparently it's very popular uh the clone wars animated series was apparently very popular so uh, you know combine all those things together but of course the main driver now uh being the you know the, the this new trilogy starting with episode seven and um I think that's really great to see.
1: Now, keep in mind, though, there are still people out there who are watching it, and they're not—they're—they're they're still not going to be Star Wars fans. Brent has some some experience with that.
3: Uh, yeah, I was gonna chime into kind of what Brian was talking about with his wife. I tried to get Angela to watch the original trilogy, and about twenty minutes into the original, she was on her phone and was bored. <laughs> we finally on my. Third viewing of Force Awakens, or second viewing actually. She agreed to see it, and she said, "I didn't hate it. There were parts that she enjoyed." So that kind of goes back to there. It seems to be a little bit of something for everybody, even if you are really, really not a Star Wars fan.
2: Yeah, and I, I know this is a very superficial thing, but you know, I think part of that too may, is just simply the fact that we're seeing we're seeing a Star Wars film now that is. That is very true to the original trilogy in in, in uh, countless respects. I think we can all agree to that. But that is made with you know this this modern flair and these uh, these these visuals. You know, Force Awakens is just so visually stunning to me. Um, and you know, I, I think that you know George Lucas did amazing things and, and his team did amazing things with the original trilogy and the effects at that time. They were groundbreaking you know, at the time. And, they, and frankly, they still look really good. Um, you know, but we're seeing a Star Wars film now that is, you know, made with these modern techniques and, and such rich-looking CGI, although it's, it's you know, much spared here uh, compared to the prequels anyway, at least I think so. Um, and I, so I think that in and of itself it appeals to... You know, some of those people maybe were the original trilogy. It just didn't grab them at the time. Or maybe they just weren't receptive to those types of genres at the time. You know, you know Brent, you, you speak of Angela. Well, uh, you know, something had to grab her, you know, about The Force Awakens. And I think you know, part of it is, is just that, that original trilogy feel, you know, in, in a, in a modern-looking film.
1: No, it was Poe. She had the hots for Poe. That's what it or,
2: was. Or she had the hots for Poe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she wanted his body. That's what it was. <laughs> she was like, I'll get in that little flyer thing along with you. Mm-hmm. X-wing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> his flyer thing. It's a flyer Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, he tried to explain to me the other day all about the differences between the walkie things. What are the walkie things?
2: <laughs> ats. At-at. What? That doesn't even
1: make any sense.
2: <laughs> An atat.
1: There you go. That's the word you used. Add it. What? That's not what you said before. I love you. Now too. he's just coming up with stuff. I think he lies. I think he comes up with new names for stuff just to see if I'll buy. That it's really the name for it.
0: <laughs> Alice, Allison, and I play Battlefront um, on Xbox, and she loves when I call the ATSTs the Chicken Walkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have uh, we we have Battlefront for PS4, and
2: and and yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's yeah, that's it's, that's, that's a another it's, yeah, it's it's that's another it's 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 visually it's just it's really cool. Really cool. Yep. Now, I don't know if if any of you all um, are at all interested or were in, in the old expanded universe. Uh, you know, of course, by that I mean mostly uh, you know novels, continuation novels, uh, some video games. Anyway, you know, licensed um, content that Lucasfilm, prior to the Disney acquisition, you know, dubbed the expanded universe. Uh, these these stories that were told that that carried things on from you know from Jedi on or from uh, you know Phantom Menace back uh, when Disney purchased Lucasfilm they they did away with all that and said it's no longer canon uh, no longer will be considered canon and all of it will be dubbed legends now some fans were up in arms about this frankly I I I didn't have a problem with it and still don't have a problem with it I think that you know, with the investment that Disney made and their, especially with their intentions with the property going forward, um, you know, making all of these new films and so on and so forth, they really needed to forge their own path in a way and, and sort of, you know, wipe that slate in a, in, a, in a way that allowed them to tell stories that, that they wanted to tell. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, some people do. I, Brent, I, I think you had. I think your, your sister was was one that was really into the the EU at the time. And I don't know if you ever um, read many of the novels or not. But w- what is your opinion there?
3: I mean, it, I kind of agree. Disney had to do it. You couldn't. There were so many. I don't know if it was fifty plus novels they'd gotten to just for the era that took place immediately after Return of the Jedi. So much had happened. You couldn't there was no way for them to box themselves into that universe that pretty much was written by other star Wars fans, you know? So I, I don't know why it was, I agree with why they had to do it. I guess if you were really into the books, the idea of these, this long story that you've been reading for years, just gets ignored, so to speak. I can understand that, but it, it makes more sense for them to pretty much say, yeah, that, that didn't happen. Or it was an alternate universe, or, or what have you. I mean, it, it, yeah, I think there was no. Way yeah, they I think,
0: could box uh, in it. I I agree with that. I I think that um you know when you get right down to it, Lucas was getting paid, um during that period by people who wanted to kind of cash in on the, on the Star Wars name and, and write a book. Um, but there's a lot of that stuff that sort of conflicts with other books, and people weren't really uh, going to great lengths to keep their facts straight and that sort of thing. Um, so there, there's there there's, there there are a lot of continuity errors between di- different books and and whatnot, and it's very hard to keep straight. Um, as for myself, I never really dabbled much in it. Um, <clears throat> the only books that I read were the Rogue Squadron books, hmm. um, and I did I did read those. There there are a few, um, and I'm kind of happy that they're going to be going back to that, um, that it has some appeal, and that they're going to be. You know, expanding on that in the near future, absolutely,
2: speaking of which actually uh, you know one of the one of the things that really caught people's attention, I think uh, as Disney started to move forward with their plans for for Star Wars, was announcing that they would be releasing at least in in the immediate future they would be releasing a film every single year. Now, three of these films, at least that we know of so far are considered uh standalone films. You know, for the first time we're going to see sort of what well, like side stories be explored uh in the Star Wars galaxy, which I think is a really cool thing. <clears throat> but it you know, it's it's certainly worth of you know, worth discussing too. There are pros and cons here, I believe. Uh, but I guess first question, which which of the announced uh standalone films so far has you the most excited? We've heard of course they are uh, currently in in production on Rogue One the Star Wars story and it's an X-Wing film uh scheduled for release this December um uh, and also two anthology character films one a solo solo a Han Solo film uh scheduled for May 2018 and although I don't f- I, I think it's yet to be officially confirmed but the rumors heavy rumors are that they're focusing on a Boba Fett film for release, uh, probably in in twenty twenty. So those are the three really that we know about so far. Which which one of those do you think has the most potential?
0: What do you think, Brent? I've got to say, the Han
3: Solo film I think probably will get the biggest draw, followed by the Boba Fett movie, just because Boba Fett has like a the cult following.
1: Exactly. I think Boba Fett is going to be the big one because you do have that really weird cult following there. There are a lot of those people and a lot of pe- closet people who are really, really big Boba Fett fans.
3: Even though he didn't really do much in the movie. I know.
1: That's what I don't understand. <laughs> that's I've actually, never understood it. <laughs> that, that,
2: that's actually a concern I have with the Boba Fett film is, you know, he, he the character had, did not have a big role in Empire or Jedi, um, and and sort of became you know this 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 cult character you know with a strong cult following. Um, it's a very mysterious character, and I, I'm a little bit concerned that they're going to, you know, expose too much and try to do too much with the character, and 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 frankly ruin some of that. But that said, I'm sure it will do big business. You know, it it is he you know Boba is one of the most popular characters in in all of
0: Star Wars. I think there's some potential there if they focus on, you know, what happened between the, the time of the prequels, which, you know, obviously we see what, what Boba Fett's backstory is, you know, he's the son of Django Fett and so on and so forth. Uh, But there's a lot of potential in the 20 years between that and, you know, what happened in say Empire Strikes Back. I think if they focus on that, you know how he became this mythical bounty hunter. Um, there's there's a lot of potential there, but um, the film that really excites me is the, the Rogue Squadron movie. Um, you know, hey, Wedge Antilles is a badass. I mean, he's <laughs> people don't remember this, but <laughs> Luke Skywalker and Han Solo weren't the only guys to survive that trench run. On uh, the original Death Star, <laughs> and Wedge is Wedge is a damn good pilot, and you read those Rogue Squadron books, and you know he's he's the main he's the protagonist. And yeah,
1: I don't remember him. I am him. really who looking forward he? to that one. Who who, also... who is this?
0: this That's going to be what know? hurts
1: you. Do you do you not realize that? That's going to be what hurts it. Is that you're going to have a bunch of chicks who are going to go? Who um, mm, is he hot? Maybe
2: I'm I'm well, but you know oh, all I, of I, those. <laughs> All those chicks' husbands and boyfriends are going to be dragging them to this film anyway.
1: Is that but your it, way of telling me you're dragging me to that movie?
2: You're not going to be dragged. You're going to be running toward it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it should be worth noting that Wedge was the only it's one to attack
1: on both.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, Boba exactly. Fett was who? What? What? Who was what? Say that again.
0: Wedge. Hmm. Wedge? Wedge attacked both Death Stars. Yeah. Wedge Antilles. Yeah. He's he's That's an true. X-wing pilot. And the Rogue Squadron books were all about him and the special X-wing pilot squadron that he and Luke Skywalker set up after A New Hope. And the novels took place um, during, you know, the, the time between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, but also after.
2: Well, you know, I, you know, <laughs> the, these standalone films are, you know, they're not going to do the business uh, of the main. You know, the main series, the saga films, as they're called, you know, the episode films are not they're not going to do that kind of business, primarily because you're not going to have as many repeat viewings, I don't think. I mean, certainly, you know, we're we're going to be there opening weekend for every single film. Um, It's unlikely I'm going to watch Rogue One six times in the theater as I have episode seven. Um, Right. Uh, but uh, that's a lie it might be a lie actually brian i I agree with you i I think the one on that list anyway that i'm looking most forward to is rogue one um i think it's going to be awesome um you know i've seen some production stills that have leaked and whatnot and it it looks really cool um you know i look at the han solo movie that they have planned in i think it's it's sort of like a um it's sort of like a, a highly touted international baseball prospect, is how I look at that film. It has a really hmm. high ceiling, but it has a it has a big bust potential too. Because I just I can't I keep thinking you know they they have to nail that casting perfectly. I mean you're you're talking about replacing Harrison Ford as Han Solo, something that has never been done. Uh, you know, Han Solo being one of the most, not only only one of the most beloved characters in Star Wars, one of the most beloved characters in cinema ever. And and you're recasting him for the first time. Um, Whoever steps into that role, they're really going to have to knock it out of the park.
0: Yeah, I would agree. There's some risk there, for sure. Um, Whereas with Rogue One, I mean, it's going to be a dogfighting movie. You know, it's going to be... uh, and, you know, uh, you, you could go back to George Pappard and the Blue Max. You know, it's a movie about World War I aces and dogfighting. All you're doing is you're casting that same film with it, with a Star Wars flavor. You know, um, those movies are always popular. Well,
2: here's the question. And I, I've not seen this really asked anywhere else. It just something that popped into my head. But we, we've never, of course, seen a, a standalone Star Wars movie before the opening crawl for the saga films, the seven that we have seen so far is iconic, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: is that something that they implement for these standalone films or is it something that is, is and should be reserved for the saga films?
3: I think they'll do it just because they think people will expect it, but I wouldn't, I feel like that belongs more to the, the core movies versus the side project movies. But I mean, I'm, I'd be, I feel like most people would be indifferent.
0: Well, you know, it shows up in the Star Wars video games, including the Lego Star Wars games. Um, going back to, to the Rogue Squadron video game, which was, by the way, the top video game in 1998. Oh, I played the hell out of that game. Wow, um,
1: wow. it says a lot <laughs> that you know that. It says, it says a lot. I know. It says
0: a lot. I know, I know. I had it on uh, Nintendo 64. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> showing my age a little bit. Good stuff. Um, b- b- But you know what? They don't, fe- they don't feature that crawl on Battlefront, do they?
2: I don't remember without going and turning it on, actually, Brian. I don't, n- now that you say that, I don't think that they do.
0: I don't think that they do. I mean, I started to say that they've done it on all the video games. But then I started thinking, I don't remember seeing that with Battlefront.
1: But have they put out a video game since it's been Disney?
2: Yeah, Battlefront.
1: So, the, the recent so one. Just maybe that one. would say a lot. So if they didn't care to put it on on there, but they did on everything else prior to Disney, maybe Disney doesn't value it in the same way. And I have to say... I cried when I saw it on the force awakens the moment that it started up it was just it was like oh my gosh it's beginning and and they paid tribute yeah. to it they kept yes. it in there they didn't take it out I I I got emotional
2: oh yeah I don't I don't think you know the <laughs> look look they're, they're never going to remove it from from the main saga films I mean there's you know that would never happen I don't, I don't think but you know and we're kind of getting off topic a little bit Brian I think you mentioned in, in one of our other uh, podcasts here that, uh, uh you, you were criticizing the, the Phantom Menace crawl, you know, it, it, it having to do with government and taxes and the trade federation and so on and so forth. And, you know, going, going back Beth, to what you said about crying when you saw it, um, man, I just thought they nailed it this time. You know, it, it, it really was a return to, uh, just that swashbuckling feel, I guess I, I keep going back to that, but you know, the, the opening line to the crawl in episode seven was, Luke Skywalker has vanished, or or you know s- something like that along those lines,
0: and it was just I thought it was great.
1: Did Brian really nitpick the crawl in the prequel ones? I mean, dude,
0: I did indeed. I nitpicked a lot of shit. It- <laughs> 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 Do you remember how? Her-
1: isn't that a little far man i mean good <laughs> gosh the hate right. the hate just do you know what I yoda says guys. about hate do you know what yoda says about hate brian do, you, do we need to remind you of that i know you know okay. the line i know you know it
0: <laughs> as i told the guys i i saw the phantom phantom menace on the night it opened and the other movies I saw on cable,
1: <laughs> I hated
0: them with a passion because going to see those movies was what. Like, if you ever go to somebody's house and they're sitting there playing a video game, right? Watching those movies for me was like being the guy sitting on the couch who doesn't have the controller in my hand. <laughs> I really hated them, um, but going back to the crawl just for a second, um, I you know, in terms of you know, just technically speaking, you know, from a film making standpoint it is a very easy and very powerful way to set the scene
1: yeah it really you have
0: to orient your audience and say okay this is where we are this is what's happening you know you don't have to explain what rogue squadron is with with a bunch of dialogue and people talking about it and waste 10 minutes if you can do it in in 30 seconds in a crawl
1: well not only that it also evokes a lot i mean like I said, you know, yeah. you seeing yeah. that it's it ties you back to the, your childhood. You know, it brings everything full circle. So to take that out for any one of these standalone films, it, it's it's missing a piece there. There's a piece missing there.
0: We should take a poll in the league um, <laughs> and see. Uh, among the guys who thinks they're gonna they're gonna leave it in my money's on them leaving it in. I bet they do.
2: I think you're right and I and I hope you're right. I you know, I have actually I, I tried to, to be objective about it and, and, and think you know, see both sides of things. Um but, but you know, I I just I've come to the conclusion I hope that Disney doesn't try to over overthink things with the presentation of Star Wars movies going forward. You know, it it should be there, um, and I I hope they leave it. And I think that they'll leave it because I think you really risk, I think you risk an unnecessary fan, negative fan reaction if you if you don't. I, honestly, there there may be some that would feel that it should be reserved for the saga films, but I I think that that group of fans even if they were vocal would be would be very very much in the minority just a small percentage so i, I would do it yeah, I, I feel like they're, they're probably going to end up doing it well kind of sticking with the same um uh line of thinking here with these with the standalone films just one other point do you i mean do you feel like that there's a, a real risk of overexposure for the star Wars franchise, you know, with this, with this film schedule that they have lined up, as I mentioned, you know, that we're going to see, gosh, what a star Wars movie, at least once every, uh, one, every, every year for five years. And may, if that Boba Fett film remains on schedule, we may see a star Wars movie every year for the next six years, including, uh, episode seven, which was of course last year. But, um, is is that too aggressive? You think they're going to overexpose things, burn out the fan base a little bit in terms of the the money making power that that these films are going to have at the box office?
1: How many books did they put out? I mean, how many books have there been in um, the market?
2: Yeah, like but the like the, the a gazillion the, the books of serve them. A, a a much smaller audience though.
1: People like Brian.
2: Well, but I don't. I don't <laughs> I don't. I don't think you can really fairly compare the, You know, the movies to, to continuation novels. Um, I think th- really those are two different beasts. Um, you, you, for the films, you know, they're looking for a sizable profit every time. And you know, if the quality remains, you know, on par with what we saw with Episode Seven, they're probably not going to have much to worry about. But um, you know, what's what's important, I think, is that they they have the right people at the helm of each of these projects going forward.
1: And I think the chances of that are kind of slim. I mean, honestly to know that you're putting it in the right hands every single time and you're pumping one out every single year, you're going to have to have multiple people with their hands on this thing. That's dangerous in my opinion.
3: I feel like if they did, like if it did get to be an oversaturation, they would just drop back, not do the side movies or the standalone movies, and just focus on the, the main storyline. I mm. feel like what they're they're clearly trying to do what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing now.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cash in.
3: I mean, it's and it's, ra- it's rather ambitious to try to do that twice because it's almost like the perfect alignment of things for the Marvel movies to be doing as well as they're doing.
1: But you also is- have a hungry audience. Clearly you have an audience that's interested in seeing more in this area. And sci-fi is really, really untapped. You see a lot of people who are craving more sci-fi and they don't get it because it's just not put out. But now the whole superhero, that that kind of stuff, the comic book films, those are being pushed more. And, and really at the root of them, they're sci-fi. I think you have a lot of fans who are interested in seeing more stuff. They're just not getting it, so that's what this potentially could serve.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I wonder did they did they explain why they pushed back episode eight by six months? I know it was supposed to come out in May, and I think they pushed it back to December. Yeah, they pushed
2: of, it back to next to, to, to next December, making the the break two two years. And um, I, I, honestly, I don't remember if if what I read was was speculation or 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 fact put out by by uh, Disney. But anyway, the the overall mm-hmm. impression was that they were uh, they were wanting to to um, finish some rewrites on the script for Episode Eight. Uh, after the high positive fan reaction to the new characters in the Force Awakens, uh, mm-hmm. Ray and Finn and Poe and and so on and so forth, to um, they they wanted to sort of resh- reshape a little bit the, the script for Episode Eight to make sure that the focus was enough on those characters to to further their their journeys, instead in instead of um, introducing too many new elements and characters. In, in episode eight that, that would take the focus away from those newly established characters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can I see that. I they, think that's uh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brent.
3: I'd also heard they brought in JJ Abrams to help with some of the rewrites too. With episode eight.
2: Well, I, I think that's, you know, that's a good thing just for, you know, to keep everybody on the kind of the same field. And, you know, it, Star Wars films have always, they've always sort of been a team effort when it comes to how, how they're made, you know, uh, you, of course you have a, a director, but you normally have a team of writers, you know, or, you know, at least a couple strong writers attached to these films each. And, um, so, you know, I, it, to my impression is they're never really left to one person, one personality to either, uh, you know, make them great or, or make them terrible. Um,
0: you know, with the original movies, though, I think that Lucas ended up letting his ego get in the way. And I think that the sense of collaboration um, that you're hearing you know, between the different directors who are going to be working on these things and the different screenwriters, the fact that everybody kind of has a little investment in these films and wants to keep them moving in the right direction because they are fans of, of the franchise, I think that's a really good sign. Um, you know, Going back to Lucas for a second, he really kind of lost his way um, – I think after Empire Strikes Back, um, and I think not coincidentally, that's about the time that he was divorcing uh, Marcia Lucas, which was his first wife, I did not and know she that. she won an Academy Award, you know, as for film editing um, on Star Wars in 1977, and she <clears throat> she really was responsible for a lot of the the humorous touches, but also the main plot. Points in Star Wars, but also Empire Strikes Back. I mean, she was the one who came up with the idea that Obi Wan Kenobi has to die because George Lucas's original script had this lightsaber fight, and Ben Kenobi pushes the button, and a door closes, and they run away and get on the the Millennium Falcon and fly away. And there's no, there's no, you know, if you're talking about you know Star Wars or any any film is kind of like a, a three act play in two hours. There was no, um, no climax to the film, right. So she was responsible for introducing that, but also little things like, you know, uh, Luke and Leia kissing before they swing across the chasm and, and the little robot that comes up to Chewbacca and then squeals and turns around and goes the other direction. <laughs> um, little things like this that you know the, the audience really, really connected with. Um, and, and I really felt like you know, Lucas's ego, really got in the way after empire strikes back and with Return of the Jedi. And he just got way too into the marketing potential of these films and, and the money that was being made. And, and let's face it, he's a guy who has a big ego anyway. Uh, but I'm really impressed with, with the fact that, you know, um, these guys are all staying involved, um, with the the current films that are coming out. And, and, uh, I think that's a, a really great sign going forward.
2: Ryan, sort of sh- shifting back to uh, to where you were going there, in in, in the, the the classic uh, trilogy characters, what what are your guys's general impressions of how they were used in the Force Awakens, and, and how they they may be used, or you expect them to be used in the in the upcoming two saga films, episodes eight and nine? Of course, we saw very little of Luke Skywalker in in the Force Awakens, so there's not very much to not very much to comment on there, uh, but I guess primarily, you know, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, um, I I thought they were incorporated quite well overall. You know, I was a little Mm -hmm. bit nervous. It was one of the things I was nervous about, you know, in in the development of the film, uh, you know, how they would be used, uh, how they're – acting prowess would, would hold up at this point <laughs> uh, on, on some, some of their parts anyway, not really Harrison, but um, o- overall, you know, I thought it was, uh, they were used well. Um, Carrie Fisher left a little to be desired in, in a, couple areas a couple scenes but mostly that
1: wasn't her fault though that was the plastic surgery it leaves very little room to move you know
0: you just wanted to see her in the gold bikini come on (laughs) uh not anymore
1: (laughs) that is such a lie (laughs) just own it man we all know the truth
2: no 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 granny gold
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I thought they were. I thought they were used in a way that really helped fans of, of the older trilogy to kind of connect with this this newer um, product. Right. Um, and, and and honestly, when you see Luke Skywalker at the end of the film, it's just like you want to just like jump out of your seat because you know there he is. You know what's coming. And the movie ends right there. It felt like a good place for it to end, oh. uh, just because now there's so much potential for what's going to happen
2: next. Yeah, and, and I agree with you that that it, it did. It was a good place to end the film. But I, I was, <laughs> I, I don't know, how, I don't know how many times JoBeth lo- turned her head and looked over at me, waiting for me to make any sort of, uh, you know, have any sort of reaction or. Um, I just I could not believe that there were not 15 more minutes left in that movie, you <laughs> That that first viewing, I was I was I was not a, you know, not annoyed at the end, but man, I wanted I wanted another 15 or 20 minutes so badly. <laughs> but but that's a good thing because, you know, they that they, they left you with that, you know, wanting that more um that you know that that momentum will carry over into episode 8 presumably.
0: Uh you you wanted another two hours, and you'll have to wait two years to get it. <laughs> you,
2: you know, if if they if they needed you know six more months to to really polish that script and, and make it a great movie, and, and all indications are, episode eight is just going to be outstanding. You know, Abrams has already expressed a regret that he left the director's chair. Uh, you know, after he really um, got a good look at the script for episode eight. You know, he I think I mean I'm, this is not. An, not nearly a verbatim quote, but anyway, the, the feeling was that he has never had a desire, he said, he has never had a desire to um, direct a, a sequel to anything right away, you know, that he, he wanted to move on to something else. But when he realized where this new trilogy was going, um, he was regretful over the fact that he had given up that opportunity so quickly and and had handed it off to someone else. So, um, yeah, it's... I, you know, I, but as far as Luke's role in Episode Eight, let's just kind of real quickly, just kind of look look forward a little bit. Do, how how expanded? Obviously, it's going to be greatly expanded over the Force Awakens, considering he was on screen for ninety seconds or whatever it was. But um, do you think he'll be used? Let's say as much as Harrison Ford was used um, in in the Force Awakens, or less?
3: I'd say equal to or more than. I think that's kind of what they were setting it up to be almost like well Harrison or Han Solo is out of the picture and now it's Luke's time to shine so to speak and it'll be whether it's Ray learning to use the force and him training her or how that all unfolds I feel like it'll be the same amount or more than um Harrison for screen time <laughs>
0: I, I believe he'll have as much of a role in episode 8 as Yoda had in Empire Strikes back
1: I agree with that
0: hmm you know that's possibly that's that's
2: that's not that big of a role to be honest
1: no but it's a really important role
2: oh of course, obviously uh, you know looking around at, at this podcasting station right now that we're sitting at, you know, I've got Yoda memorabilia everywhere on the wall here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love Yoda. He's, he's, you know, one of my favorite characters probably my favorite character from, from the original trilogy. Um, but when, you, you know, when you look back, kind of, sort of in the way of Boba Fett, but not, I mean, obviously he had more screen time than Boba Fett, but still there, there he wasn't on screen and wasn't part of the, um, you know, part of the story so heavily at the time in the original trilogy that it gave a lot away. I mean, you know, to, to me, I remember those first several times that, you know, I, I watched the original trilogy, uh, or at least, you know, Empire and Jedi, I was left wanting more, you know, from, from Yoda. Um, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like we'll see a little more than that of Luke in episode eight, um, especially after he was only used for, you know, a couple minutes, in this film, though, I think, of course, yeah. strategically, but um, I think we will see a, a greater role for him.
0: You could very well be right. And, and, you know, especially in light of the fact that, you know, what was the goal of the First Order? They were trying to find Luke Skywalker. Right. Right. So, you know, he, you would expect him to play a more pivotal role. But I would expect at the very minimum, you know, his responsibility is going to be to train Ray and to help her maximize her capabilities, you know, with the Force. Um, In the same way that Yoda, you know, was responsible for picking up where Obi-Wan Kenobi left off and training Luke Skywalker in the first place.
3: I'm wondering if at some point in 8, does Luke try to sway um, Kylo to come back to the light side?
2: Mm.
3: Some confidence there, maybe.
2: Don't you think, though, that, especially with Kylo, but probably also with Luke... Well, no, I'm not going to say. Also, with Luke, I mean, he did persuade his father at one point, of course. But
0: there's a history we don't know about between those two already.
2: Yeah, that that is true. You know, I, I look at Kylo after the Force Awakens, and I think that he, you know, he's at that, at least for the the main meat of this story that they're telling. He he has already crossed that point of no return. Um, you know, you, we could have said the same thing about Vader. You know, of course, he was redeemed in the end at, at, at Jedi. But for the meat of that arc as well. That, that those three films, um, you know, he he had already crossed that bridge, um, and, and Kylo did that both literally and, and figuratively in the Force Awakens. Um, so I I don't know. That, that's that's a good question. Real quick, this is one thing I've I've sort of read a little bit online about just fan theories and or thoughts. Um, of course, the backstory with Chewbacca and Han Solo. Was that uh, you know Chewbacca? Chewbacca, I guess served Han in a sense after after Han saved his life uh, pre A New Hope. Um, now that Han's you know the character that, that, that Han is gone uh, that, that that he is he's met his end in, in Episode Seven. What what do you feel like Chewbacca's obligations are now um, in the storyline? You think he'll be you think he'll show any sort of allegiance in terms of continuing to pay that life debt, I guess is what I'm saying, to someone connected to Han, whether that be Leia or someone else. I feel I would like they'll yes.
0: Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yes.
3: I feel like maybe if only for vengeance some degree of Han is dead, I wasn't there to protect him, I've gotta exact my revenge to make it right. Like, maybe he feels like he didn't fulfill that life debt because Han died and Chewie wasn't really there to try to stop it. Or he didn't do anything in time to try to stop it. Maybe he feels some guilt in that angle.
1: What kind of role has Chewbacca really served in past movies, though? Well, he's been... He's been mostly a flat character. I mean, honestly, if you really break it down, if you really look at him as a character, he talks a foreign language. You know, a bunch of... Uh, yeah, he does a lot of that stuff. No one understands him. Of course they do. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, they do. yeah, you speak Chewie. Yeah, I know. Wookie. <laughs> Whatever.
0: Well, Han does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Han definitely does. <laughs>
1: Okay. Three PO does. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, what what role did he really have before? I mean, sidekick. It, yeah. Exactly. He's a sidekick. He's he's a three PO or an R two. He he can't really have much of a role. He, I mean, there are limitations there. So I mean, he has to have someone a along good point. with him to help him mm-hmm. come alive. Otherwise, it, there's no point there.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're certainly not going to spin off a, a Chewbacca anthology, you know, solo film. I, at least <laughs> I would hope not. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm
1: saying the, the point about it is how can you really have him exacting any kind of revenge when people can't even understand that that's what he's trying to do? You would have to be so careful as a filmmaker to be able to get that to come across on the screen. It would, it would be next to impossible i'm well not not impossible but it would be extremely difficult to do and i just don't see an interest in in putting that much time and effort into trying to make him have more of a story than what he really has
2: let me let me twist this a little bit and i, and I don't want to get too too deep into to ray ray's origins on on this show um, but at the end of the force awakens of course we see chewie is accompanying Ray, um on her uh you know travel to to Luke Skywalker in the Millennium Falcon do you do you do you feel that there's any sort of connection there that we will see furthered in in the coming films possibly I mean is, is Chewie Ray's new psychic? Will, will he will he will, will Rey fill that role
1: that is what I've felt okay I I have felt she is a lot like the new Han Solo that she she is now taking on that role sort of picking picking it up from him
2: but of course in a more playing a more central character than han of course not that han was
1: um are you saying that han was not a central character because i beg to differ
2: han was han was a primary player i mean he, he he's not a skywalker and this 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 entire saga is not about you know this entire saga is a is a family soap opera about the skywalkers I mean, that, that's just, that's what it is. What it's what it always has been. Did you
1: just call it
2: a soap opera? It's true. I mean, it, it, it really? really is true.
0: It is. It's a space it a soap opera. It really is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, it is.
1: You guys are so gay. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. Like in front of Catherine, you have to say you're really, really happy. Really happy people. I feel really uh, bad. Uh, yeah. I think Brian, Chewbacca Brian's is going so... to have a, a biography or something come out pretty soon. <laughs> uh, one of those, uh, one of those books, like a tell-all, all about Star Wars, pretty soon. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'll read. Documentary. There about, we go. No, no. Documentary.
0: My in the BDL. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Black Diamond League inside. <laughs> <and out. laughs> <laughs> all, all the secrets. <laughs> no, I going back to Chewbacca just for a second. I think he's such a recognizable face of of the franchise. I I can't see them just kind of like pushing him into the background. I think they'll find a, a role for him that makes sense um, going forward, whether he's Ray's companion or or Leia's companion. Because that let's face it, that life debt uh, concept may. Have translated over to Princess Leia um, since you know Han and Leia were married. So it may be that 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 he becomes attached to her in some way. Um, but I, I would expect him to stick around and be be part of the the plot lines of these movies. It's similar to what he's he's done so far.
2: I, I probably should have asked asked this earlier, but, but going back to the box office. Results so far with with the Force Awakens. Do do you feel that that Star Wars at this point has peaked in theaters Mm -hmm. in terms of its of its drawing power? You know, I I just don't know. It's you know as as good as Episode Eight is likely to be. It's it's difficult for me to see these
0: numbers being replicated again. They will be. Well, that's been and they'll be bigger. That's been the pattern. No, I don't know. That's mm. been the pattern because you know the biggest of the of the original trilogy, Star Wars, made the most money by far. Right. Of of the original prequels, Phantom Menace made the most money by far.
1: Um, I don't think that you can really use that though. I I really really don't think that you can use that because you're talking about a pattern, um, but you're also not taking into account quality of the movie. When a lot of people went and saw episode one, they they were not happy and, and they let it be known they that they, they were not happy. So as Brian likes to point raise out, his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the fact that you're talking, you're getting out there and you're saying, This sucks, don't waste your money. People didn't show up for two and three because it didn't make sense to go and blow your money on a movie when you knew that the first one was a piece of crap. You're not going to be interested to come out and waste more money on that franchise. But with but this that wasn't one, the case
0: with that wasn't the case with Empire though. I mean, I I counted the days until that movie came out. I saw the day it opened, and and a lot of people, a lot of other people didn't. Yeah. So okay, but I what d- was going
1: know. on economically though? I mean, there there are. Lots of other factors that you could you could potentially take into account. So, I mean, sure. that's what I'm kind of saying is that um, I feel like there are a lot of other things that you could probably look at and see if those things played a role. So, I don't think that you can really gauge it in that in that way. Just just because that's what happened with those first three that they came out and the actual first three that came out, I, I don't think that you can really look at it and say that because I mean this. This has the potential to do a lot more. Like I said, you've got a lot of older fans who have been fans since they were children now hoping that their children pick this up and adore this in the same way that they did when they were little. I see them coming out in full force yet again because they want to harvest that in their kids. You're telling me you're not going to take Allison to the next one?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely we will. But, you know, we're hardcore and I'm not sure... Yeah, know, you are. Yeah, you know,
1: are. When
0: <laughs> uh, when we went to see when we went to see the, the movie for the first time, we were we were out of the country, and it, we there were eight people in the theater. <laughs> um, it was weird. Uh, it was awesome, but it was weird. When we came back and, and we're like, all right, it's a rainy day, it's a matinee, let's go see the movie, that place was jammed. I mean, and they were showing it on, you know, eight screens. But I was looking around the theater and I'm like, all right, there's nobody wearing costumes and, you know. <laughs> uh, not that I was.
1: Yeah, uh uh-huh. Sure. Um, that that was the yeah. that was the helmet you were wearing earlier. You were so sitting there wearing that. I I tr-
0: I truly do have a Boba Fett full helmet. Yeah. I, I
1: we I know you were wearing Halloween. it. It's, we know that was yeah. the sound. We know it.
0: I, I I'm, yeah. t- I'm touching it right now.
1: <laughs> Don't touch what? it. Put it down. Zip it back up. Put it down. <laughs>
0: Um, but, you know, I'm, looking around, <laughs> I'm looking around the theater and I'm seeing a lot of, you know, like older people and, and middle aged people and stuff like that. And, and I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I, I know these people are here because there's a lot of buzz about this movie and maybe they just want to see it. I'm not sure they're going to come back for the next movie unless it has the same kind of buzz. And it might. I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but we'll see one thing I think in a couple years.
2: Yeah. The the one thing that I think might really play into, into the performance of episode eight, uh, is, is simply this. And that's rogue one. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to see another star Wars film, uh, you know, although it'll be a standalone movie, we'll see another film this December. So by the time next December rolls around, episode eight will have been the third star Wars film in 24 months released to theaters. Um, that will probably cut into its uh, what you know what it generates at, at the box office some by that point, um, pro- probably not all that much. But in any case, I mean I think we can all agree episode eight is going to do massive business, um, and <laughs> Disney is certainly not going to be unhappy if it if it settles in at eight hundred million as opposed to the the nine that right. TFA right. Has, has already <laughs> achieved. So it's really a moot point, but. Uh, Quickly, now I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one to you first. Uh, how, how different do you think, and again, let, let's not chase this rabbit hole uh, too far, but how different do you think that uh, The Force Awakens would have been if George Lucas had remained on board and either wrote or directed the film or a, a combination of the two? More green screen?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it would... I feel like it would probably would have been closer to the Sith movie than Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones because I feel like after the first two, maybe he took the hint to an extent. It's like, okay, maybe I need to make it more action-packed instead of too dialogue-heavy. So I, I envision it would have been closer to Revenge of the Sith more than the others, but I could also not seen it. There probably would have been more... Kitty moments like Phantom Menace versus genuine funny moments that were in this one. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it would have been around Revenge of the Sith.
0: I'm going to take the fifth on this one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, it's difficult. You know, I, I feel like in some ways, or at least I, I want to hope that maybe you know, I, you know, since this time has passed now, you know, we're we're ten years, almost eleven years removed from Revenge of the Sith, that you know George might have realized or learned a thing or two about his processes in, in making the prequels, and and that would have come into play here, and and we would have really seen something very different than we saw between ninety nine and two thousand and five. Um, that might be giving George Lucas way too much credit. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't remember know. he criticized he criticized the Force Awakens when he saw it. That is true. He didn't like it. He said it was a. F- he said the fans will like this, implying implying he didn't. Um, and I I don't think he makes these movies for the people who want to see them. I think he makes them for himself.
2: I, I think you're right. I think if for you know for no other reason, uh, I I'm happy that you know the. The franchise is in the hands of Disney now. Of course, now that we've seen, you know, The Force Awakens and, and the quality of that film, if for no other reason, then it's it is um, I think good fan service to have it away from George Lucas at this point, um, and, and to move forward with without his involvement. And I think we can all agree that George is a great visionary, and in, in you know in the broad broad strokes of the matter. Um, a good storyteller, but you know when it gets down to the, mm-hmm. you know the, the fine print and the small detail and, and the dialogue and so on and so forth. That's sort of where he's lacking, and and uh, you know after too many films, after six films uh, that he made, that that was exposed. So, um, I think it would have been very different. You know, TFA would have been very very different with with George. Uh, anywhere yeah, near it, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you know something will come out in in the next year or two or so, and you know we'll we'll get a tell all interview from someone in production and learn that many of the concepts that we saw in in the Force Awakens were actually um, born of, of George's original ideas. I mean, we don't really know at this point how much of that script was all uh, you know JJ and his people, and how much of it was you know, the bones of what George brought to the table in, in the first place. And I would love to know that answer. And I suspect someday we'll get that answer, but you know, we, we'll see.
0: It'll be interesting to, to see what kind of commentary he has on the follow up films for sure. Indeed. Cause you know, he's, he's not a guy that it's going to go quietly into that good night. He, he still feels a sense of ownership um, with these movies and, and probably rightfully so, you know, he, he, he wants people to know what his thoughts are. On these films, he clearly did not like *The Force Awakens*. Um, I don't know why. Um, I think he would have been <laughs> thrilled with it. Uh, we're all thrilled with it, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, you know, maybe it just give, maybe. A, I,
3: I will give George Lucas this much: he needed somebody to bounce the ideas off of and for somebody to stand up and say, Hey, this idea sucks.
2: Don't do it. That was the biggest problem. George, he needed an editor. He needs an editor in his process. And when he doesn't have that, you know, we get attack of the clones. Um, Right. That's that's really the bottom line. But have like, having said
3: all of that, if it wasn't for George Lucas, we would not have star Wars.
2: Well, And that's why I say, I think we can all agree. He's a great visionary. And, you know, I I thank him for the fact that we have Star Wars, but, you know, it's it's just not – sometimes it's time to let go, and it was time for George to let go long before that he did. (laughs) I'll just put it that way.
1: Yeah, he's also the creator, though. So to tell someone who created something, it's time for you to let go, that's kind of dickish, if you ask me. Well –
0: uh, they they gave him <laughs> they gave him a pretty nice paycheck <laughs> to let go
1: as you just said it wasn't even like it should have been so much more than that that they're gonna earn it back they've already earned back half of it right yeah, so that's true i mean hello they probably should have paid him a little more handsomely than that for something he created and that is going to be enjoyed for many 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 decades to come i'm sure hopefully well, I yeah, you wonder
0: though so you wonder though how much leverage he had after he the prequels that? what's that Brent?
1: does he still
3: own industrial light and magic or has that since been shipped off cuz i all feel been like that's disney he...
1: yeah
0: okay yeah. i don't know yeah. part of this... so those are all disney properties now
1: i don't even know what that is <laughs> <laughs> What?
0: That's his special effects company. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That so says the documentary guy. I can't even talk (laughs) right
2: now. Uh, And Joe Beth is drunk.
1: (laughs) You know what? You gotta do what you gotta do to get through one of these things, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Moment of truth, guys. We've all seen The Force Awakens now. Uh, Multiple times each. Uh, Some more than others, but at least multiple times each. And it has been out since, what, December the 18th. So I think we've all had enough time to sort of, you know, give it a lot of thought as to where this film might rank along with the other six. So, moment of truth. All four members of the panel, rank rank your Star Wars movies top to bottom, one to seven. Brent, we'll start with you. Empire Strikes Back, The Force
3: Awakens, New Hope, Return of the Jedi, very closely behind that would be Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace.
1: Wow, you were really prepared for that question. (laughs) It kind of freaks me out a little bit. It's like you planned for it or something. (laughs) like maybe someone prepared notes for you and you were prepared and went over those beforehand.
2: All right, Joe, Beth, give us yours. Oh God.
1: Uh, no, someone else needs to go first because (laughs) someone didn't look over notes. (laughs)
2: All right, Brian, give me your top seven
0: or give me your seven.
1: Brian is definitely top seven. I already know that.
0: You know, it's, it's strange because there are eight movies on my list. Um, all right, I'll just, I'll just go in order. Um, Empire eight, Strikes Back. A, what? <laughs> It'll all make sense in a moment. Okay. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, far and away the best of the Star Wars movies. All right. Um, a New Hope, The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, um, begrudgingly. <laughs> um, the Phantom Menace. The Star Wars Holiday Special, (laughs) followed in a distant eighth place by Attack of the Clones. All right. (laughs) Wow. If you've never seen the Star Wars Holiday Special, I suggest you check it out. Um, It is mythical for how bad it was. Uh, because you know, you're introduced to Chewbacca's family, um, his wife Paula, <laughs> his son Itchy. No, I'm sorry. The son is Lumpy. the The father is is Itchy. And the first 15 minutes of the movie consist of them um, grunting in wookie language at each other it's spectacular (laughs) (laughs) i I have a question is is this still canon (laughs) the only saving grace of the entire uh holiday special is that jefferson airplane makes an appearance and performs is this
1: for real is this for real is he not joking
0: (laughs) i
3: swear to god Brian, what about B. Arthur as the singing Barmaid?
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. And wow. Roger Corman. I yes. forgot
2: that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. How have I not been forced to watch that one? Oh, I mean I mean running toward it. That's right. <laughs> no, you'd be
3: running
2: away
1: from this one. Yeah. That's bizarre.
2: Alright, I guess it's my turn. Uh, well I'll be the third guy to put Empire on top. Um just
1: I can't believe that you guys are all picking that one first when Gold Bikini was imp- number three. Yeah, it, it, or in, or in, number
2: Empire. Six. Empire is is it is the it's still the best Star Wars movie. It just it simply is. It's 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 tragic and it, I just, I, love, I love it. Um,
1: no, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I It can't be true. <laughs>
2: Go ahead. Sorry. No, they wipe that out <laughs> with a, with a despecialized edition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I- Empire number one. Like Brent, I'm going to put The Force Awakens at number two.
1: Uh,
2: I've got Jedi at number three, A New Hope at four, Sith, Phantom Menace, and Attack of the Clones.
1: I can't believe that you guys can actually pick it's th- an order of ranking movies. I am against ranking of movies just in general.
2: Yes, but we're forcing you to, so you must give us your seven.
1: That, that's <laughs> just that's just wrong is what that is. That's just wrong. <laughs> well, I have to pick the gold bikini first because I love that one. The cantina scene, everything about it, it's just the most... Awesome. I, I love it. So I pick Return of the Jedi. Well, I
0: love it more than Brian loves it. Wow. Oh, Jedi? Yeah, Jedi. Yeah, although I'm 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 very open to the gold bikini. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Rolling Stone photo shoot, Carrie Fisher on the beach wearing the gold bikini, I highly recommend it. I,
2: I have that issue somewhere.
1: Yes, yes. We've all seen it. Don't, don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, um, I, w- I would pick that one first. And then I would do empire very closely after that that's the reason why it's hard for me to pick between those two because both of those are are really really big for me so um so um and and then i would have to do the force awakens um followed by a new hope and um I would, uh, simply because they're not good enough to remember the little subtitles, I'm just going to say, um, (laughs) episode three, episode two, episode one. Um, I, I don't think I hated episode two as badly as Brian did, apparently. Whoa, man. Remember what Yoda said about hate. I just want to throw that out there again. Someone needs a reminder.
0: I have not been fully trained by Yoda. Been Yoda in those movies, <laughs> and he was <laughs> a... So,
2: it, it, it's late, so I apologize. But let me, let me just recap. Um, everybody on the panel had The Force Awakens no further down than than third. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Okay,
2: so everybody on the panel actually agrees that. The Force Awakens is is better than uh than at least one original trilogy film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I th- I think that's you know, I think that it, that speaks volumes um you know for the film. I think it's um it's a very positive thing for the future of of the brand of the franchise. You know, that in 20 uh, 15, 16 here we have a Star Wars movie that is cons- that highly regarded that it is um you know considered as good as at least you know one, you know one or two of the um, of the original films. You know that the, the, those are very sacred movies to most Star Wars fans and a lot of people. So uh, I think it speaks volumes.
1: Well, keep in mind it also had such um, mirroring effects with uh, Episode Four that it's it's kind of like, of course they they did it better now than they did it back in. What year was it, Brian? Go ahead, tell us what year
0: 1977.
1: I was six. <laughs> so was
2: so, so, so you're saying Force Awakens is it's just a better new hope?
1: Essentially. Yeah. Uh, just with some <laughs> different <laughs> characters. Scotty <but>. chuckles. <laughs>
3: if you think about it, The Force Awakens is almost a best of the original trilogy. You've got the... Death Star that gets blown up, you have the mentor figure getting killed by a lightsaber you have the i like I feel like it's almost a combination of a new hope and Empire Strikes back, but it's its own movie
1: see Brent gets well it.
2: the thing is though i I feel like the force awakens while, while i don't really disagree with what you're saying brent i I think that the movie does so much to advance. The story into new territory that I completely overlook all of those things when I first saw the film i 'm going to be completely honest when I first saw the film the new hope uh, a new hope comparisons didn't even enter my mind you know subsequently of course I, you know I under you know I see some of the parallels and, and whatnot but I, I think it stands so strongly on its own that it you know that stuff is not a distraction you know
1: okay wait. How many times Scotty did you see episode 1?
2: 11.
1: Okay, so I just <laughs> want to throw that And you're out not brain there. damaged? Can, <laughs> can I just throw that out there that when Scotty sees a new a new Star Wars movie, it's got the shine. It's it's got the glimmer, it, and and nothing can distract from it. Not no. even ridiculous no, 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 parallels. No, no 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 Like cannot be overshadowed by anything because Scotty's it it smells like new cars. No,
2: that's not that's true. What it is. No, I never, not once, not ever considered Phantom Menace uh, as good as any of the classic films.
1: Eleven times.
2: It was Eleven. the first it was the first Star Wars movie that we had seen since nineteen eighty three. How many times and it was did you nineteen ninety nine?
1: How many times did you see episode two? Four.
2: How
1: many times did you see episode
2: three? <laughs> oh. Four. I think.
3: At least but at least Sith was decent, except for how Edmade died. That's still <laughs> the stupid, Spoiler the stupidest. alert. <laughs> Ever. I'm sorry She over. just
1: she gave up the will to live Brent She just gave up the will to
3: live It's so dumb Because they had so many ways They could have given her a legitimate Cause of death But no, she she just gave up She didn't even care for Luke and Leo When they were born enough to live
0: she just Brian, gave
3: up
2: Brian, we can never move on from the prequels It's awful <laughs>
0: i know well it's yeah it's it's like you know falling down a flight of stairs and breaking your leg in (laughs) places you never get over that either (laughs) all right all right
2: Uh, uh, on that note that guys that that's a wrap for star wars a new galaxy far far away thanks again to our panel of super geeks we all hope you enjoyed it very much Don't forget to complete this special BDL Radio Trilogy by tuning in to the official BDL The Force Awakens review and Star Wars The Force Awakens and the Prequel Perspective. May the Force be with you.